2: You can make money from your podcast as well with no minimum listenership. That's big, I mean huge, for brand new podcasters. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Just download the free Anchor app or go to anchorfm.com to get started.
0: The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle...
2: everyone, to the main event, it's Mark's Podcast. I am your beloved host, lifelong wrestling fan, and figure enthusiast, Troy. And joining me, as always, is your other co-host extraordinaire, our WWE Walking Wrestling Encyclopedia, and the Kamamoose stop to my D'Lo Brown. He is Greg. What's up, Greg? Not much. I don't know. There's a lot going on for me. And you know what else was had a lot going on? It was 1997. See how I segued there?
1: I love it. You're almost as good as Conrad.
2: Oh, man. Well, I'm not going to say roll tide on that, but, uh, sure. I can Lord. if you want. No, I'm good. Uh, moving along. Uh, let's keep it moving here. <laughs> We're taking the. you do uh, all the
1: Conrad but without one. I like that. Okay.
2: Well, you're damn right. I'm a loyal Buckeyes fan, and I hope I won over some, some, uh, some new listeners right there. I know one. <laughs> Sorry, I have to up a little bit. <laughs> I know one, uh, one of our faithful listeners, he, uh, he, he'll he uh, pop for that. Me saying the Ohio State.
1: We also have, we also have a faithful listener. He knows who he is.
2: Oh, man. But today, uh, we're diving in into 1997. Other than our uh, bonus show from July, this is the first Monday Night Raw or SmackDown or just like weekly show period that we have covered on the podcast. But there's some good reason to cover this one. I mean, we were covering it for one specific moment, but there's stuff on the show I forgot about. Like, were you, uh, did you, you, you went back and watched it recently. Did you remember all
1: this? Uh, yeah, I did.
2: Well, yeah, of course you did. Walking Wrestling Encyclopedia there. I. This was like
1: one of my favorite years, man. Yeah,
2: 1997. I hadn't started, I started watching wrestling at the end of 97, like, uh, right before, I think it was, it was between Bad Blood and Royal Rumble, somewhere in that vicinity I started watching. So this was, uh, all new. For me, I mean, I've never seen this raw this particular raw start to finish, but I've seen clips because it was so uh historic, and I didn't realize some of the stuff that was on this show until we uh decided to watch it.
1: I also think this was the first raw in the
2: garden. it might have been I mean they played that up hard yeah, that's why I think
1: episode. it was the first one. I'm pretty sure it was
2: yeah uh we're we're definitely gonna touch on that throughout the uh throughout the episode the different Madison Square Garden things they, they talk about here. But, yeah, I mean, first of all, I want to direct everybody to social media on Twitter and Instagram. We're at main event underscore marks. And on Facebook, we're main event marks pod. That's after the facebook.com forward slash blah, blah, blah. So you can be on DM the
1: Twittersphere, bro.
2: Hell yeah. We're on the uh, fire breathing Twitter machine and the smoke blowing Instagram machine, bro.
1: <laughs> it does blow we're, a lot of smoke, yeah. Yeah, we
2: we are everywhere, and uh, you can follow us on all of those. We're also available on YouTube if you're listening to the podcast on YouTube. If you want to listen to just the audio version and not have to go to YouTube, we're available anywhere you get podcasts. But definitely like and subscribe, throw up a rating, all that good stuff. We appreciate all the feedback all of our listeners can give. Now, we've had an eventful month here so far for September we got more to come, and then October is going to be a damn good month as well, I'm looking forward to. We'll get into all of that more at the end of the show. But right now, I think it's time to dive into the news and notes from the time. What say you? I'm good. (laughs) Okay. You strapped in?
1: Hold on. Hold on. Okay.
2: All right. Here we go. on Twitter and Instagram at main event underscore marks and Facebook at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod.
0: Today tastes like heading out the door and driving into town. It tastes like grabbing snacks and a Coke and singing as loud as you can. Today tastes like anything could happen <laughs> and it never tasted this good. Summer tastes better with Coca-Cola. Wherever you're going this week, don't forget to grab an ice-cold, refreshing Coca-Cola from 7-Eleven. Now, back to our program.
2: Uh, the first couple stories here are sad stories from the time, but they need to be touched on. Oh, the man. First, their uh, deaths in the wrestling world. Yeah, cult.
1: I so, had a feeling. Yeah,
2: yeah this first one. Oh, wait, Butler, hold on real
1: quick. It's sad because coming up is another big one about to happen in like a month after this. That is oh. horrible to think about.
2: Huh? You to, oh yeah. Yeah. You're right. I, yeah, man. Uh, well, I think, yeah, well, it happened.
1: It happened the night of yeah. bad blood. So it was, yeah, it was yeah. A, it's in a couple of weeks.
2: That's right. I forgot. Yeah. We'll touch on that here, here in a few, but Fritz von Eric passed away from cancer at the age of 68 this week, right before the show uh, or the week before the show, I should say. He, uh, obviously a big legend. He, built the Dallas territory man that family was just wrapped with horrible tragedy i think the first major one was when his there there was the oldest von eric boy he uh he died at a very young age i think he was still a child by getting electrocuted outside of their house and uh fritz found him like face down in a puddle or something like that yeah. it's just
1: Oh, um, there not there a Dark Side of the Ring special about that?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Everybody, we direct everybody to that show every single week. But seriously, uh, if you want to know.
1: It's tough to watch, about but the stuff, it's, it's going to sound weird. It's tough to watch, but it's a good watch, if that makes any sense. Um, yeah. It's really well like, put together.
2: Well, like people like listening and watching those uh, crime dramas or, uh, you know, the the pod, the true crime things. So, I mean, they're interesting, even if they're hard to watch. That's all the the death they uh, have.
1: That's not the one they showed during RAW, is it? What? There's a there's a graphic they showed during RAW of somebody else who passed. Away. I had no idea who he was during the show. We we're about the review.
2: Oh, I didn't even notice. No,
1: <laughs> so, did you not watch the show?
2: I did, but I didn't notice the the any rest in peace yeah, or anything a whole
1: segment on right before the Austin moment.
2: Oh, hmm,
1: or after After yeah,
2: I must have not been paying attention to that part (laughs) so i don't know you'll have to who was it
1: that uh... name's dick brower
2: ah okay the bulldog or bulldog dick brower i'm I'm not sure or maybe uh i know he's an old wrestler i'm pretty sure so i that's (laughs) that's all i know about him I, i really can't associate anything with that name uh, getting out of the sad news, though, the Funk Family Indie Show held in Amarillo, Texas this week, or excuse me, the week before the show, was billed as Terry Funk's final match in his hometown, and the main event uh, was Terry Funk versus Bret Hart, and it was filmed for a Barry Blaustein documentary tentatively titled Beyond the Mat. Uh, I, I i don't know about you, I've never heard of the Beyond the Mat. Wait, what is, what is yeah,
1: that? I've seen it multiple times. I have the DVD of it i'm joking
2: <laughs> yeah. oh, smart. I've, I've, seen it, I've seen it i, like I couldn't family. tell
1: honestly also yeah i know yeah kind
2: of. oh now i get to grill you for, for not understanding my sarcasm you always get me that was a really good film if nobody's watched beyond that go do it it's a little depressing but i mean
1: well yeah they cover the screw job mick foley taking 47 shots to the head jake <sighs> the snake doing drugs well, a yeah. little. There's some good stuff in there, too, pal.
2: Hey, get out of my room so I can hit my crack pipe. Like, it's, <laughs> he it's, actually says that, right? He says something to that effect. It was basically like, hey, I'm going to do drugs. You need to go. Like, uh, yeah. It's, obviously, he's, uh, it's taken long enough, but he's pulled the nose up. Jake seems to be doing okay. He is employed, gainfully employed in all, all elite wrestling, so good for him. He's making a paycheck in the business again, so I don't know. It's, uh, Beyond the Mats, Beyond the Mats cool though, man. I, I dug that film. Terry Funk, it's hard as hell for him to get out of bed. And I think he's technically still wrestling, isn't he? I don't think he is now. I don't, I hope he's not wrestling during Corona, but,
1: but he would, he would wrestle a long, long time after his final yeah. match here.
2: Yeah, it's, uh, well, this is only his final match in Amarillo, Greg. So that's his way
1: out. But yeah, didn't he go on to be Chainsaw Charlie after this? Uh, yeah, a couple of months after, actually. I think it was. Yeah, I think it might have been December. I know he was in the Royal Rumble. In yeah. Well, uh, and you. Which I was at, by the way.
2: Well, and you know how he got over right away, right, Greg?
1: Hell yeah!
0: He came out of a box!
2: <laughs> I had to say it. Sorry. It's just.
0: Motherfucker.
2: How many times can you say, he came out of a box! And actually, like, and we're being serious. Like. <laughs> A box was wheeled out onto the stage, and he chainsawed his way through it. And if I remember correctly, that segment took about 47 long years to finish. I mean, am I far off on that time?
1: Nope. Also, fun fact, I think that was the only time he used a legit chainsaw.
2: I sure as hell hope so. (laughs) Now that the WWF has introduced a new light heavyweight title... They have threatened New Japan Pro Wrestling with a lawsuit because they still use the old WWF Light Heavyweight Belt as part of their J-Crown title. It's expected that New Japan Pro Wrestling will quietly drop the title. I mean, what the hell is that worth?
1: The hell are any of these worth,
2: bro? They're props, bro. They mean nothing. <laughs> I just, yeah. Anyway, that's my that's my Russoism of the podcast. What? Well, uh, there there's going be me more. a few more. Yeah, you're probably right. Speaking of which. Uh, Shawn Michaels made news last week by going out on Raw in tight biker shorts with a sock stuffed in his crotch, making a bunch of lewd gestures, swearing during his interview, and more. Much of it was edited out before it aired. It was all pre-recorded. But much of it was edited out before it aired, so if you didn't know any better, you wouldn't even realize that it was edited. Word is that Vince McMahon was not there. During the promo, Sean also talked tons of crap about The Undertaker, calling him a chicken... I'll say crap, and other names that were edited out. Undertaker wasn't there in the arena, and only in a pre-recorded video. McMahon, Undertaker, Bruce Pritchard, and pretty much everybody else was furious with Sean. He was later fined quite a chunk of change, but McMahon actually pointed at this as an example of what the product needed more of. Attitude, pal! We need more attitude! God dang it! <laughs> I, that
1: was I think, all from Bruce think, Pritchard, by the way. I think that fine that Sean paid probably ended up being a really good investment, so...
2: Yeah, I don't know. This was uh, they they hadn't officially titled it the Attitude Era yet, if I remember correctly. And this was when he was, you know, Vince was talking about because that Pritchard said that's what he remembers. Is he he went into the meeting and he was complaining about the segment, but at the same time he was saying we need more of that. That's Attitude. And next thing you know, they made the Attitude Era. So I guess we can somewhat blame Shawn Michaels for it. Yes? No? I don't know.
1: (laughs) Depends on your point of view, yeah.
2: Shawn Michaels in his tight, tight shorts. That whole was it? Michael
1: Cole interviewing him?
2: No, it was Jim Ross. Because JR was complaining about it, saying, yeah, he kept jumping up and putting his crotch in my face. That was real appreciated.
1: Is nobody going to compliment his his great vertical jump or leap?
2: Yeah, right? (laughs) I mean, Jim is, I don't know, close to six foot, I'd say. And he's jumping up, putting his crotch right, right in his face.
1: He should have been yelling boomers sooner every time he did it.
2: What the hell? No, I, would, I if I were if I were Sean or Jim Ross, every time he did that I would have been like Garth on uh Wayne's World. Every time he saw a pretty uh, pretty girl, he'd be like he'd stop talking, he'd go swing and then go right back to what he was saying. <laughs> FMW in Japan drew their largest crowds in company history, thanks to the WWF and all Japan pro wrestling. The show drew somewhere between forty to fifty thousand people, depending on what you believe. Along with all the usual FMW matches, the show also featured Ken Shamrock versus Vader in a worked-shoot-style, quote, ultimate fight rules cage match. However, Shamrock is still dealing with lung issues, and on a bump early in the match, when Vader powerbombed him, Shamrock began coughing up blood again. WWF representative Bruce Pritchard was at ringside and immediately called for the main, er, for the men to finish the match because they don't want Shamrock getting hurt on a non-WWF show. So the match was stopped while doctors rushed in to check on Shamrock. Word is FMW paid WWF around $100,000 to be able to use Shamrock Invader on the show. Do you remember Shamrock going through these issues?
1: Yeah, a lot of issues. Yeah, there's always back, ankle, vomiting blood.
2: Uh, Didn't they make an angle out of that on Raw one time where he was coughing up blood?
1: I feel like that was his last angle. I think it was with Jericho, if I remember correctly. Huh. Was it Jericho? I think so. That was the last yeah. time we saw him in WWE, I believe.
2: Oh wow! So Le Champion, uh, put put Ken Shamrock, old Kenny, out of the uh the WWE. Nice. Yeah. I I don't know. I specifically remember. I don't remember the angle. I wish I did. But yeah, obviously you do better than I do. But yeah, I just for some reason that stuck out in my mind. I was like, I remember him coughing up blood in the past. Obviously he's fine. So it wasn't like a continuing harping issue but i don't know and he went back to ufc not sure that was the smartest
1: move he could have made but i don't no, know No, it was great he got knocked out by T O three times yeah great uh, i'm sure Man, he i like good it. money <laughs> yeah i did
2: not i i hate it. i've always been a shamrock mark so i absolutely hated it but i mean not I'm
0: once
1: sure he... not twice three times
2: i'm sure he made some good money losing to uh tito so uh, whatever who am i to judge Speaking of FMW, uh Atsushi Onita is still claiming that he's working with the WWF to attempt to do one of his exploding ring bomb matches in the United States.
0: Oh good o-
1: God.
2: Onita has had the dream for more than a year, but as of yet it hasn't taken place. Yeah.
1: So uh, what a dream, man. that guy's shooting for the stars, huh?
2: Yeah, right. Maybe ba- baby, I woke up in the middle of the night with a cold sweat, and it's gonna be called an exploding ring bomb match, baby.
1: <laughs> the match is going to be a bomb.
2: <laughs> yeah. Bruce Pritchard has railed against all this, said the WWF never even, like, had a passing thought of taking part in any such foolishness, and he said it all looks stupid, because if, if nobody's seen these exploding ring bomb matches, whatever, basically they put pyro around the ring, there's a countdown to tell you when the bomb's going to go off, and then... Pyro blows and smoke and they have like smoke billowing out from around the ringside area. It's stupid. It looks like crap. It, it it's dumb. FMW was one of them that really went heavy on the deathmatches. And Onita was the king deathmatch idiot.
1: <laughs> Not Terry Cactus Jack.
2: Yeah, no. He was No, they just went along with it sometimes. Like Onita, like that's literally all he freaking did it was death deathmatch garbage. And that's led to uh, idiots... match
1: garbage is redundant, to be fair.
2: Uh, you, you, are, you are right. But that led to idiots here in the United States seeing that crap and going, we can do stuff like that. Let's stab each other with needles and take, uh, you know, freaking uh, weed whackers to each other's chests and crap like that and set fireworks off of each other's pants. So now we have crap like CZW and other garbage, like Game Changer Wrestling and whatever here. In the United States, there I went on my my death match rant of the podcast. Sorry, it's
1: not wrestling. So, no, sorry, folks, I... it's not wrestling.
2: Yeah, well, it's a different form, and it's an art form. Like, it's not an art form to put yourself through things
1: or dive off of like fifty foot towers and crap.
2: Yeah, everybody it's literally
1: nothing to... good about that.
2: People point at people like Necro Butcher. It's like the man can't even take a proper like power slam but you all praise him because he can jump through things. Woo! Like, any accountant could jump through a, a table. <laughs> I just... Ugh, that stuff bugs me. Here we go.
1: Why I hate ECW?
2: ECW at least had some like, shining trash. light. It, most of it, yeah, but it had some shining lights. Whereas, CZW... I'm sorry, I just... No. Here we go into the actual, like, uh week to weeks here, because this, this was during the, the Monday Night War. Nitro was on their 83-week streak, correct? Yes. Okay. Uh, Nitro continues to kill Raw on the ratings. In fact, this week, after Nitro went off the air, Raw's second hour numbers actually decreased. It's a little weird. I don't, no. n- n- Nitro went from, what, 8 to 10, correct? Right. And then Raw went 9 to
1: 11? Yeah, eventually went from 8 to 11.
2: Yeah. So, both shows had a they had one hour that competed and one hour that was unopposed. Right. So, you'd, it's kind of weird. I don't know. Maybe that 10 to 11 o'clock hour just wasn't super hot at the time. I
1: don't know. It would be.
2: Yeah, it would be eventually, yeah. Uh, all charges against Steven Regal for an airplane incident a couple of months ago were dropped as he's been brought back to WCW and he jobbed Alex Wright on Nitro. Regal looked really overweight and rusty in the match. I can't remember exactly what the issues were. I think he was found with drugs on him, wasn't he?
0: I
1: think so. But I also just heard the story on Bischoff's podcast. Yeah. He said, yeah. It, yeah wasn't he like had, over, it was overseas when it happened, so they couldn't just land it somewhere, right?
2: Yeah, I believe so. He's had a lot of issues. Jim Ross just told a story about the first time he took William Regal, Stephen Regal, whatever the hell you want to call him, in for his interview with Vince. He actually fell asleep during the interview because <laughs> he said they were sitting there. And I don't know if Ross was like writing stuff down or whatever, but he said McMahon kicks him in the foot and he thought it was an accident. And then he does it again. He's like, wait, what? And, and McMahon kind of like motions at him. He looks over Regal's passed out, sitting straight up. Good lord. Yeah. So he said, yeah, he's really lucky. He got a second chance after that. But it would
1: have been a third and then a fourth. And I believe maybe even a fifth.
2: Yeah, it's been... That's one of them where it's like, man, he could have been world champion, you know, or at least a a contender for the world championship at one point.
1: Well, there was a rumor he was going to be a contender for when he was the king of the ring, but uh, apparently he got in trouble again. And that's when he lost that match to Kennedy.
2: Yep. He, uh, if I remember correctly, he got busted for roids or something. Which you wouldn't look at him and go, that's a roided up guy right there. Yeah, right. But. It happened, so... But, you know, that's another one we talked about. He pulled the nose up. He seems to be doing great now. And the one, like, weird... I wouldn't say weird, but it's weird for the wrestling business. thing that he has accomplished that I I was like, wow, is he's been married to the same woman, like, his whole adult life. Like, he married one woman. He's been with this woman. She's stuck by him through all of his many issues. And, uh, yeah, that's just... for For the wrestling business, that's not common. So
1: what, like him. him and Eddie, right? That's it.
2: Yeah, right. Oh, my gosh. And Vicky is a saint for putting up with all the crap right. she did. <laughs> uh, Kevin Nash had surgery on his knee. I know. Hold for the shock value. <laughs> uh,
1: this is like, what, number two of like 48?
2: Uh, he. I think he's up to at least six or seven at this point. Yeah. He's. I remember at one point he said, well, I've had 13 knee surgeries between the two knees. And they, it's like, yeah, that was forever ago. But uh, Nash had surgery on his knee and is expected to be back around late November. Rick Flair is expected to be back in early November from cosmetic face surgery. We'll talk about that on the next podcast. Dean Malenko suffered a back injury last week and has missed house shows ever since. And Scott Hall has been on crutches all week for some reason, but is expected to work Halloween Havoc.
1: Yeah, man. What the hell was going on in that company? Everyone's like jacked up. <laughs>
2: yeah. There were some speculations that Scott Hall just didn't want to work, so he was no. using, using crutches.
1: No, that was the surprise of the century. Yeah, well,
2: Hall didn't want to work. What? Oh, I bet he worked the bar, though, that night.
1: He is the bar.
2: Oh, missed that one. All right. <laughs> just to show how much of a disorganized mass WCW is lately, they've been airing ads for the next two months of house shows. <laughs> Sorry, just <laughs> lately? <laughs>
1: They've been, it's been a while, dude. Okay.
2: Yeah, I think since its existence, but <laughs> but they've been airing ads for the next two months of house shows, advertising the Four Horsemen versus the NWO. But on Nitro this week, Ric Flair disbanded the Horsemen, so that group is done.
1: Card subject to change.
2: Yeah, WWF has been hanging their hat on that literally forever. So,
1: well, I yeah. mean, if you have it, use it. I mean, it's not like yeah. it's a made up thing.
2: I was right. ever
1: since I was a kid, and I seen that on the on the bottom. I never knew what the hell it meant until I was like twelve or thirteen.
2: Yeah, well, I found out the hard way when. And it's not that it's like, oh my gosh, Matt Hardy. But I went to a TNA house show, and they kept advertising Matt Hardy was going to be like one of the main guys that were there, and he never showed up.
1: So. I remember that. I had to. I had to console you. I think you were like broken hearted. No pun intended. Oh,
2: oh, oh man, I was cold blooded at the time. <laughs> Uh, anyway, speaking of cold-blooded, let's get into ECW here. The family Good of...
1: Brief, another great transition.
2: <laughs> hell yeah. The family of Eric Kulos have pressed charges against New Jack for assault and battery, an assault with a deadly weapon stemming from the mass transit incident last November. Eric Kulos, for those that don't know, was mass transit. But the charges have already been thrown out, and it was deemed the case would be better served as a civil suit rather than with criminal charges. We've talked about this on a previous episode.
1: I think... The Dark Side of the is, Ring, gotta plug it.
2: Yep, go watch the New Jack episode. Everybody that he has ever come encounter with apparently has dropped the N-word on him, so <laughs> yeah. there's that. He's well, I lost also, his
1: luster like 47 times ago.
2: Yeah. He apparently just does a bunch of coke before doing anything. That's how he lives. And it just... Yeah, okay, I'm
1: not trying to be insensitive or anything like that you know me, but how do you live constantly doing that? Like, uh, I do How don't has he not died yet from don't. doing all that? Like, and I'm not even trying to be funny. He's a self-admitted coke abuser.
2: Yeah. Like, he's he he...
1: He been doing this since, let's just say, 93, I believe that's when he started. That's 27 years, because he still goes today. Like, yeah. How the hell is his body not giving up on him yet?
2: Uh, Sheer willpower? I don't know.
1: <laughs> Either that or he's lying about the amount he does, which I kind of hope it's true. He's lying about it
2: yeah you would hope the human body would uh you know not take that much cocaine and just keep on chugging but i i I don't know man i I really don't have any answers at this point oh uh, but yeah this was this was horrible I think uh, go back to the archives in the born to be wired nineteen ninety seven episode I think we cover a little bit more of this. I don't want to get into it again uh, just and yeah oh, uh, watch dude,
1: new jack and coke man that's a- Oh man, that was an accidental pun. I swear! <laughs> uh, wow, Jackie Jack- Coke. <laughs> but come on, that's a hot topic, man.
2: Hell yeah, New, New Jack, uh, admittedly, stabbed multiple people in a wrestling ring. So uh, this—he didn't technically uh, stab. His white MF-er. <laughs> yeah.
1: Actual words, folks.
2: Yep. He he tried. He said he tried to kill Vic Grimes at one point, and
1: uh, oh, that's yeah. good. That means you know he's not racist. He'll kill. Any color, okay. Vic
2: Grimes is white.
1: No, I think he's like, is he like Italian, so?
2: I don't know, he looked, he always looked white to me, but maybe he is, I don't know. Either way, getting off of that.
1: Oh, come on, I want to, I want to dig more into this.
2: <laughs> Both Tommy Dreamer and the Sandman have been unable to work recent ECW shows due to injuries. Dreamer has a deep keel bruise and a banged up shoulder. Sandman's back injury still hasn't healed, but they did an angle where Sabu threw fire in his face to explain why he's not wrestling, and he came out with bandages on his eyes. Speaking speaking of eyes, Sabu recently suffered a a detached retina and was told that he'd need surgery, but in typical Sabu fashion, he's just wearing an eye patch until his match time, then taking it off and going to wrestle anyway. Good lord. Yeah. That's, uh... That's sabu for you, man. Just tape it up and keep going, which some may say is admirable, but like this is just stupid. You could lose your vision forever, and you're like, ah, whatever. Just tape it up, and keep going. Like, what?
0: Don't lose
1: your vision? Be going forever?
2: Go on forever, bro. The story with just Credible slash Aldo Montoya is that he's still under WWF contract until August of 1998.
1: Got to keep and, that one locked down.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, we don't want to lose the great Aldo Montoya,
1: the Portuguese man of war. Dude. Come on.
2: Yeah, I've got a story about him in a second, but
1: oh, good, I've been dying for one. But he's trying
2: to get out of his deal so that he can sign with ECW, which is the funniest statement I've ever heard. So far, WWF hasn't released him, but Paul Heyman is working to make it happen. I will so say this: he wants he to,
1: he wants to make little money for abusing his body. Instead of making a lot of money, wearing a stupid mask. Hey, I, I, I guess.
2: Yeah, let let me out of this contract with the WWF because I really want to go wrestle in ECW.
1: Which you know comes to light later that that's just WWE's little. Uh, I don't want to say the B word, but you know what I mean. <laughs> uh, yeah, they're yeah they're. Beholden. essentially it's essentially their. We'll call it double A farm system.
2: Yeah, basically, and. I will say that like maybe his thought process, my thought process was, hey, it worked with Al Snow. Maybe I'll go down there. Paulie will make me matter, and then WWF will want me back.
1: Okay, no, not to go back on every word I just said, because I stand by. But he did make him matter. I think he was one of their better ECW champions. To be fair, so,
2: incredible. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah absolutely. Yeah, so yeah, it's great. just it's just mind boggling that. I mean, I get it, he probably wanted to do more, and I totally understand that. But you really ECW? You could have at least yeah. called our it off.
2: Maybe he did. He's like, "Hey, uh, hey Eric,
1: um, you got a jobber role for me, dude." Your your Lucha division is our cruiserweight division. Oh, Luchas is amazing. Imagine a Portuguese man of war getting involved. Oh, money.
2: Yeah, right. Like Portuguese. I. <laughs> this is a story I had about him. Bruce Pritchard was talking about they wanted a gimmick for him, and well, he's Portuguese, and and what 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 do a lot of Portuguese people do? They play soccer. So they were bringing in like they're in this pitch meeting and. The uh what do they bad. call it? the the services people? I can't remember what they're called. That come up with all the the like the costumes and whatever, and send them over. They're bringing in these soccer jerseys and these soccer balls, and they're like, "Oh, he can kick the soccer balls out into the crowd, and you know, for the kids and whatever." <laughs> and we can I sell this the <laughs> now. Yeah, and we can we can sell these jerseys for him, whatever. And Vince was like, "Great." Does he play soccer? And They're like, "Well, we don't know." And he's like. So you never checked on this. You're just like, oh, well, he's Portuguese. Portuguese love soccer. Therefore, and, so you know, do the
1: Brits and, and Brazil and, and I don't know, Mexico.
2: Yeah. And they're like, mm, no, we just kind of figured, you know, it would go with the gimmick. And he's like, well, if he doesn't play soccer, like what that to which I see his point. I see his point. However, on the other hand, they made Rakishi the Sultan.
1: Yeah. I mean, because, you know, all Samoans are is that an Indian thing?
2: I think. Well, he was Arab. I think. Okay, well,
1: an Arab. Okay, so all Samoans love the Arab culture, right? That that goes hand in hand. That meshes.
2: Yeah. Let's make you look like a genie in a mask, I, bro.
1: Uh... They're gonna put the iron cheek with you, bro. You're gonna be huge.
2: Yeah, because when I think of big things, I think I gotta have the iron cheek with me.
1: And eventually, I think uh, Bob Backlund was looking too.
2: Yeah, that makes a lot of lot of sense. Go from Sheik a baby to so... Mr. Backlund.
1: So, so, the Samoan guy was an Arab character with an Iranian guy and an American guy with him,
2: yeah, that it, was a, it was all kinds of all kind of good stuff greg you're, you're you're catching up
1: and he had a wrestlemania match by the way, against the future one of the greatest names in wrestling history. Just think about that, wait, did he? yeah, he faced the rock <laughs> just, just wow. think about that though
2: I don't even remember that i uh, all right, uh. Moving on here, New York. This Keep one, here. this one really jumped out at me. as like, f this guy. But do you do you know Phil Muchnick of the uh, New York
1: Post? Yeah, I mean I've heard Vince McMahon's rants about him, so yeah.
2: Okay, well here you go, uh, New York Post writer Phil Muchnick. Uh, yeah, not to be confused with Sam Muchnick. He uh, he ran the N.W.A. for years. He's actually respectable, and uh, you know knows something about wrestling. This guy, he's a terrible turd. I don't know if he's still alive, but even if he's not still alive, he was still a terrible turd. But he wrote a column this week saying that Ted Turner should help all the children of the United States by canceling WCW. He criticized the company for promoting (laughs) abuse. Check out this list and try to keep up. Sorry, it's
1: just because what Davey's about to do, he might be picking on the wrong company, but go on.
2: Well, yeah. But he said WCW is promoting abuse of women sexual harassment, terrorism, negative ethnic and racial stereotypes, homophobia, vandalism, graphic violence, and worst of all, Dennis Rodman.
1: I will give him Dennis Rodman, but I'm like blanking (laughs) on the others. One of the things uh, Bishop was adamant about, they never had any man on woman violence or did any of that because Turner Legal would have thrown him off the air.
2: I mean, if he was referring to like Disco versus Jackie, whatever. But that
1: was a comedy (laughs) thing and Disco took a brunt of of the whooping.
2: I know, but I'm just, I'm digging here. And Uncle Dave was reporting on this and he was like, well, if you're going to go with the man on woman stuff, you should probably pick on the WWF, not WCW. Yeah. Uh, Like the sexual harassment, again, probably more WWF. Terrorism, Dave was flabbergasted by and had no idea what Sam Munchnick or Phil Munchnick was talking about. He's about eight
1: years early because that whole thing with Muhammad Sanz can happen eight years later. But yeah,
2: (laughs) yes. Uh, Negative ethnic and racial stereotypes. I'll give him that. Okay.
1: I just I'm on in WCW of what though?
2: Yeah. Again, I mean, you'd have you'd have to dig back into the past of like maybe if he saw the whole Harlem Heat being let out by chains by a guy who looked like Colonel Sanders.
1: I guess there was that time when Hall and Nash kind of like tried to bribe the Cruiserweight division. I forget what they were trying to get him to do, but they brought tacos in to all the Mexican guys. No. Maybe that was a thing. Gosh. But
2: <laughs> that's. Yeah. Uh, that sounds like something WCW would do, uh, especially. Well, with those I, it was two. Hall and
1: Nash, too, so yeah, you can see them doing. I'm not excusing yes. it, but that fits in with what they were doing. But
2: uh, Yeah, well, they've used it. I mean, it's something I mean,
1: that's going that's, to get you thrown off the air, though. You know what I mean?
2: Yep. Well, that was. That's all that, but it just.
1: Real and quick, bre- uh, since we're on this, I, I recommend going. This is like one of the only times I'll ever advocate for this idiot. But go watch Jim Cornette's raw shoot on this guy when he talks about Brian Pillman's death. It's oh yeah, he goes off on him, man. <laughs> it's just, it's crazy.
2: That's the first thing that pops up when I or one of the first things pops up when I type his name into Google. So
1: <laughs> no, it's, the, it's, uh, yeah, I mean yeah, since since we're this guy talking. this guy clearly is just trying to sell a paper.
2: He had a hard on, like a huge hard on for Vince McMahon and basically all of professional wrestling. Like, dude, what? Do you,
1: well, to it, be real fair though, it was the one of the most popular things in 1997. Like, this was wrestling's reboom period. So,
2: yeah, but his his take on it was, I'm gonna crash it and call people that are involved with it, like every horrible name in the book every single effing week. Like, dang, dude. Um, what's ironic is that's kind of what Jim Cornette became sort of.
1: Yeah, but God, I don't want to defend the idiot, but at least his is within the context of watching the show and bashing it as a wrestling show. This guy's an outsider bashing what he thinks he's seen or knows. To my knowledge, he never watched the show.
2: Bashing it as being Uh, trashy. But at least
1: Cornette is watching it. You have to give him that. I mean, he's not just reading stuff and bashing it. Yeah,
2: yeah. Well, and since you brought it up, we'll talk about this is the last television appearance for Brian Pillman. Which I didn't realize until I was looking at it. Uh, he, uh, is never seen again after this. He, he dies in the, uh, like, what did you say? He died earlier before b- Bad Blood?
1: I think he died, died the morning of it. I think he died the morning of it or the night before. Either way, it was breaking news at Bad Blood.
2: Yeah, they found him dead in his hotel room. And yeah. Vince McMahon gives kind of a whole CYA announcement. You know, during, like, when he dies, it's kind of, well, you know, this happens in all forms of sports and entertainment, and, uh, you know, we don't know how he died, but, you know, drugs are bad. It's just like, whoa, dude. <sighs> I mean, I get why I he think, was doing I think it, he was, but...
1: I mean, I know it's, at this point, what, five years? Maybe four, let's just say five, right off the heels of his indictment. Yeah. I mean, you know, he's probably nervous as hell.
2: Right. I would say, though, if you were going to th- accuse Brian Pillman of doing steroids, I would have pointed to him in WCW because, man, he was jacked. Not saying that's what he was doing. I'm just saying if you had to pick out a time, he wasn't exactly, like, huge in the well, WCW. He was a
1: uh, 200 pound defensive lineman. I mean,
2: <laughs> yeah. You know?
1: I mean, yeah, that's not heard of, man. That's like a running back number right there, not a defensive lineman.
2: Yeah. Uh, well, and if anybody goes back and you know, watches his early days at flying Brian. He, I mean, yeah, he's freaking Jack, dude.
1: I love flying Brian.
2: Yeah, he was great. But the last story we have here is, uh, again about MMA and we don't like to cover MMA stuff, but this kind of shows you, I I like to cover at least one of these, if it's a big enough story per week, because it kind of shows you the state of everything at the time. The new pride fighting promotion in Japan, which will feature Nobuhiko Takada versus—is it Hicks and Gracie or Ricks and Gracie?
1: It is Hixon, yes. Hickson, the R, okay. is I, an, the R is an H in Brazil, I believe.
2: Yeah, that's why I—I figured it was. And a, in Japan, it was
1: uh, silent apparently.
2: <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's yeah.
1: Um,
2: but it will feature uh Nobuhiko Takata versus Hickson Gracie next week. Has also signed UFC fighters Dan Severn and Gary Goodright. To fight on the show. This has thrown UFC's next pay-per-view, which was headlined by Severn uh, six days later, into chaos. UFC had met with Pride to discuss helping each other out, but UFC feels like Pride then turned around and stabbed them in the back. Uh, I mean, did they really ever get along, Pride? I don't think the so,
1: no. Um, but who got the last laugh? I'm just gonna say. But whatever.
2: Yeah, considering you could fight and Pride in a UFC video game, so...
1: Yeah, they ended up buying him out, which is well, great because they, they got, like, uh, I think they got Alistair Overeem, quite a few other people, uh, Shogun Hua, Dan Henderson. So, you know, they, they picked up some ben good Silva was went. there. Uh, yeah, but I think he came to the UFC before the buyout, I
2: think. Oh, okay. I
1: think. Yeah, there.
2: Were, I mean, <laughs> I think the major reason why, because they, they went down the tubes for multiple reasons, but the main reason they went down the tubes, uh, from what I had heard, was because the Yakuza was kind of running things over there and various fights were being thrown for the Yakuza and stuff like that. So yeah. Uh when the mob gets involved, it's time to shut down.
1: There's no such thing as the mob.
2: Oh, well yeah. Hey, I'm Italian, you know, there's no such thing as a mob, you know, uh,
1: If you say so, there is, you know, something might happen to you. I don't I don't know. I'm not saying there was some will, but something might happen to you. Just yeah, wash I, your mouth. I, <laughs> wow.
2: All right. Well, that does it for the news and notes. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at main event underscore marks and Facebook at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod.
0: The been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, Got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. Now, back to our program.
2: Time to move on into the show at hand here. We were talking about WWF Raw is War, or WWF Monday Night Raw, I guess. It wasn't... I don't know if they technically called it... Well, we'll get into it. But it was from September 22nd, 1997, from Madison Square Garden in New York City. The attendance was 14,615. Quite a crowd, I'll say. We start off the awesome with the awesome old WWF intro, followed by Jim Ross narrating a, a great video about the history of WWF and Madison Square Garden. We see Hulk Hogan, superstar Billy Graham, Bob Backlund, Fabulous Moolah, Pedro Morales. It just goes on and on and on.
1: One of my yeah. first notes for that was they showed a lot of WCW guys, which I was kinda of shocked about.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they showed a they showed a couple of them. I yeah, Pipers in this package. Macho Scott. Man. Yeah. That was funny. Uh, they even show clips of various MSG WrestleManias, T V tapings and other pay per views that were held in, in that venue. I will say my blood started pumping with the was it I I always forget, is it thorn in your eye or thorn in your Side? Yeah, thorn in your eye. Okay. Yeah, when they started playing "Thorn in Your Eye," that whole intro with everybody fighting inside of a a burning ring inside of a warehouse, like,
1: yeah, that, that was, was a, so badass.
2: One of the greatest Raw ever. But I noticed some of the signage that WWF was using says "Raw's War," but most of it just says "Raw." So were they? Yeah, because Raw Raw's
1: War is the second hour.
2: I thought that was the War Zone.
1: It is, but it's Raw Raw's War.
2: Uh, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. I I just thought it was like the whole show was Raw Raw's War. And then, like the second hour was just the war zone. I don't know. Either way, they we'll get into that whole making it feel like Can two I separate shows.
1: Just add, by the way, in watching this back, I didn't realize it. Uh, how do Oh, I was ten years old when I realized <laughs> one of the part. At, one of the things in the package, Jim Ross clearly says the Garden is set to play host to WWE's most defining moments. And I was like, "Yeah, I'll say," <laughs> <laughs> right? Literally a prelude to what we to see. Did you catch that? Uh,
2: no, I did. I didn't. Uh, Pay that close attention to that. Well, I mean, he wasn't wrong. We get into the building and they do the pyro. Vince McMahon shouts his guts out, welcoming us to the world's most famous arena, Madison Square Garden.
1: And one of my first notes of that was they were made sure to say we were 100 percent live. I'm like, OK, they made sure Bischoff wasn't going to spoil this.
2: Yeah. well, <laughs> uh, that Shawn Michaels is going to beat the big guy with a sidekick that wouldn't win him a green bill. <laughs> Those little jabs always made me laugh.
1: There's a jab from WWE coming up in this. We'll get to it. It's from Jim Ross. It's blatant as hell, but you have to Mm. know what he's talking about. So,
2: yeah, we'll Ah, get to it. okay. Well, the opening contest is Rocky Mayavia. He's got Farouk, Kamu Mustafa, and D'Lo Brown of the Nation of Domination in his corner. He's taking on Ahmed Johnson. This is for the WWF Intercontinental Title Tournament first round. The match only goes just shy of five minutes. We start off Commissioner Sergeant Slaughter, which... I have a Jax figure of him. And like a Mattel Ash-
1: figure not the him. Commissioner. But.
2: Yeah, I have a Jax figure of Commissioner Slaughter, and then I have a Jax figure of, like, the classic Sergeant Slaughter, too. The thing I hate about it is his hat, you can't remove it. That's, like, the stupidest thing I've ever seen on a toy. He's got that wide-brimmed hat, and it can't come off. Dumb. That hashtag, that's so Jax. But either way, Com- <laughs> Commissioner Sergeant Slaughter is at ringside, and he, for- he informs the other members of the nation that they have to leave ringside during the match. Crowd blows from Johnson.
1: It takes them like 45 minutes, by the way, to get them to leave. You realize that?
2: <laughs> yeah, it took quite a while. They really milked the crap out of that. But yeah, the crowd freaking blows from Johnson. Captain Lou Albano randomly waddles to ringside, taking notes. They showed him one time, and then that was it. you notice that? I
1: did. Yeah. I mean, I didn't notice that we didn't see him again, but yeah. Okay, that makes sense now.
2: Yeah, they they never mention it again. He just waddles to ringside, and they're like,
1: "Oh, look, it's Captain Lou." He's Is this just trying to uh, find someone to manage? I think this was.
2: Yeah, I think this was during the time period where Bruce Pritchard said he would just randomly show up at the arena and want something to do, and he wouldn't leave him alone. So he was like, "Just walk to the ring, act like you're taking notes,
1: and take away from this match." By the way,
2: yeah, not that it was well, a classic
1: by any means, but
2: no, I yeah, I. I said Ahmed is not very good at all in this match. He ends up getting the win with a Pearl River plunge, and you and I kind of talked about. N- we don't really have to give ratings for this, but I gave it one and a half stars because it sucked.
1: Like, yeah, I just, yeah, I didn't really rate it. I watched it. All these matches are just really short too, and yep, this was back in the days of like the moments matter more, and these matches are building towards the real match at the pay per view. That's what it felt like.
2: Yes, that is. Yeah, because this was this was just a raw of moments like you like you said. Yeah, it just the matches were just kind of there, which I, yeah. I don't know. I always liked matches leading to it. Yeah, I want story, but I want matches to mean something. The matches kind of mean something, but seems more like, oh, we have to have matches, I guess.
1: <laughs> well, I Russo's the guy here and he's, he's flat out said it. Yeah, nobody cares about wrestling, bro.
2: Yeah, nobody tunes into a wrestling show to watch wrestling. That would be stupid.
1: Also, like, I had to point out, too, lots of uh, ECW stuff was shown in the crowd. there chanting ECW, those idiots got to get that crap on TV.
2: <laughs> well, well, yeah, man. Uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin's theme hits, and at the commentary table, Vince McMahon looks really nervous. And he stands up and looks around. Austin pops up in the crowd with a mic and says that somebody's going to get their ass kicked.
1: So I love. I was one of my notes like I love how they quickly cut to Vince and he's standing up. Where the hell is he? <laughs> like,
2: yeah, he's like, oh crap.
1: That's like that's like the second prelude now to what? Yeah, there you go. So
2: yep, there it's looking all
1: set back up. at it. They're building it. It's just
2: it's yeah, we don't know it yet. Yep, we don't know it yet, but it's it's getting it's getting oh, built Lord, just, up there.
1: I just said something Vince Russo does is brilliant. I'm have to go reevaluate my life.
2: Well, if it makes you feel any better, he he probably didn't do that alone.
1: <laughs> so.
2: But either way, uh, a stupid commercial was shown with Sa- was Sable and Howard Finkel playing laser tag, trying to sell some home laser tag game. It's absolutely horrible.
1: Okay, but Freddie Blassie, is like as a hologram was pretty funny.
2: Yeah, wearing an eye patch. This was just I'm like, bro, we're gonna have hell?
1: we're gonna have a hot woman selling laser tag, bro. Come on.
2: With Howard Finkel, and he's gonna be commentating <laughs> while he shoots the lasers. <laughs> gotcha, Sable. <laughs> like, what the hell is going on? Uh, Oh, my gosh. But, yeah, it was dumb. We then get a recap of One Night Only, where we could see Shawn Michaels win the European title from the British Bulldog in the United Kingdom after the Bulldog dedicated the match to his sister, who had cancer, because the WWF always loved booking heat, heat, heat. Uh, I don't know, man. I thought that was kind of effed up. Mm. I mean, he dedicated the match to but his. But it was his,
1: it was in his hometown. She wanted to be there, so.
2: Yeah, I know. It's just like if they knew that that he was going to lose, maybe they shouldn't should have been like, hey, um, maybe you shouldn't dedicate this match to your sister with cancer. <laughs> I don't know. It's
0: uh,
2: I didn't like it either way. But next up, we get the Undertaker coming to the ring. To be interviewed by Vince McMahon about. His upcoming Hell in a Cell match against Shawn Michaels at Bad Blood, They just added the stipulation uh, recently, apparently, where the winner will get a shot at the WWF title. Taker tells Bret Hart that he's coming for him later, but first, he's going to make Shawn Michaels burn in eternal damnation. Shawn Michaels comes out to interrupt the dead man. HBK says that he's been getting repeatedly screwed over by the WWF, basically whining throughout the promo. He then puts himself over about how great and smart he is. And... Sure. Yeah,
1: I mean, it's not... great.
2: I mean, yeah, right. Yeah,
1: maybe the best in the world at this very point right here. I just,
2: yep. He's either one or one A, but I'm not sure. Oh, that's if right. Some...
1: Hoobin T. Rare exists. That's right.
2: Oh my gosh, that's 99, Greg. We're not quite there yet. He's building up, but I'm not sure if something got cut or or what. But did this seem weird to you because it just goes yeah. to black out of nowhere? That was
1: my that was my note. I was like, it was a fun promo, but it felt like it just cut. Like it was just it was over.
2: Yeah. <laughs> It's just if it, it went to black, boom, done. I'm like, wait, what? What? What happened? And then we come back, and I mean, what a hell of a way to come back. Sunny is out there, and she's going to be our special guest ring announcer.
1: How roll tie was she looking?
2: Yeah, she she was all the way live. But it's
1: that was the that, first time I ever heard him use that phrase, by the way, to describe a woman when he talked about Sunny. How roll tie was she looking in '97? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, That's hey, when I realized that Roll Tide could be a, a noun, a verb, an adjective. It could be anything you want it to be.
2: <laughs> pretty much. It's, it's hello, uh,
1: goodbye, whatever. Okay, sorry.
2: Yeah, it's like it's like a, a, uh, aloha in Hawaii. Yeah, it right. can mean a bunch of things. <laughs> but it's it's kind of funny that she was the ring announcer for this next match, considering she would go on a couple of years to be the manager for one of them.
1: Also, I I think they started with her being the announcer for the Little People division. Yeah. What, what <laughs> That's oh, they always yeah. use it for that. And then they had like the little people do perverted stuff to her. And,
2: yeah, yeah, it's always funny. You ever go along with a hot blonde chick. Ah, whatever.
1: Because their heads come up to her, her backside. Okay, anyways. Uh, good Lord. That was a so
2: thing. Ma- <laughs> this match was the Legion of Doom, Road Warrior Hawk, Road Warrior Animal versus the Nation of Domination, Farouk and Kama Mustafa. It only went for two and a half minutes. Hawk gave Farouk the hangman's neckbreaker, but Farouk dropped to his butt like a whole two seconds before Hawk dropped. So it looked like crap. Rocky and D-Lo rush in to stop the LOD from hitting the doomsday device on, I believe it was Farouk, getting the nation disqualified. I give it one star because, I mean, two and a half minutes will suck.
1: Ah, I was waiting for Shamrock to run in, but they kind of covered that up by saying he's not there because he's hurt. But it always ended with those four beating the hell out of the nation.
2: Yep. Yeah, because uh, Ahmed Johnson then rushes in to help the LOD, yeah. but the Nation quickly cuddled him. Real quick,
1: I like how he's a face, and he was in the Nation. I mean, they obviously kicked him out, but that made him a face. Like, I want to yeah. be with the bad guys, but they threw me out, so cheer me again. That makes no sense to me, but
2: <laughs> hey, people did it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so all three of the baby faces get beaten up because they're overpowered by the by the heels. <sighs> <sighs> Coming back from commercial break, we're showing a clip of Jimmy Superfly Snooka leaping off the top of the cage in Madison Square Garden to land on Don Morocco. The thing that gets left out of that is Snooka did that after the match when he lost to Don Morocco. <laughs> Owen Hart is accompanied to the ring by a ton of cops because <laughs> Owen has a restraining order out That's on Steve Austin.
1: My first note, I was like, I, I just had to write sound like how much I was laughing. And like yelling, cops with them. Um, yeah, that's why great. that was such a funny sight. I just, I, I lost it laughing. at that.
2: Yeah, it's funny. He's being accompanied by cops. He's got his slammies with him. Goofiness
1: should have been should have been Nazis, but whatever.
2: Wow, Brian. Now, am I wrong? Ar- I don't know. <laughs> Brian Pillman's arm is in a sling, and. He is forcing a black leather clad Marlena to, to uh, follow him around because apparently he beat Goldust in a match where uh, the winner, like if he won, he would be able to force Marlena to be with him for a certain yeah. amount of time.
1: It was for 30 days, and then I believe he was going to wrestle at Bad Blood, and that would be for her early freedom, I think.
2: Oh man, yeah. And that uh,
1: He was going to wrestle Dude Love, I believe. Yeah.
2: yeah, this was just, can you imagine in 2020, hey, the winner gets your wife as a slave yeah that would have went over great but anyway pillman grabs a mic and he says that while Golddust was reading his daughter dakota the three little pigs pillman had marlena squealing like a pig again good stuff that would go over in 2020 really well <laughs> he then gets kind of graphic and says they no. were doing stuff says they were doing stuff in the bathroom and he slipped in the tub breaking his arm so he would be forfeiting his spot in the Intercontinental Title Tournament to Owen. Commissioner Slaughter then comes out to question Pillman about the injury. Pillman stumbles over his answers, and then Slaughter says, Think fast, and throws a mic at Pillman. Pillman grabs it with his supposedly broken arm. So Slaughter says that if Pillman doesn't wrestle this match, he'll never wrestle in the WWF again.
1: <sighs> so Okay, I, I'm not trying to be funny at all, but man, it's just crazy that he would not wrestle in the WWF again.
2: Yeah, That's, I know. Yeah. That's weird to think about. Well, we get Owen Hart versus Brian Pillman with Marlena. It's the semifinals of the Intercontinental Title Tournament. This match actually went for 7 minutes, 12 seconds. The Chiron for Sgt. Slaughter randomly pops up at the beginning of the match. Didn't you notice that?
1: Uh, I saw a glitch, yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah. they were like, ding, ding, match I starts didn't see and, what it was.
1: Maybe I was watching the match. I saw it come up, but I just thought maybe it said, IC Title Tournament, bro.
2: No. Wow. No, it was it was the Chiron for Sergeant Slaughter. It just pops up at the beginning of the match. I was like, okay. Damn it, Kevin Dunn, he slipped with those Bucky Beaver teeth and accidentally hit the wrong butt. No? Uh, all right. Anyway. <laughs> the two men shake hands to start things off, and they move around at half the speed of smell on purpose, not really wrestling. Marlena then smacks Owen in the back of the head with her purse, and Owen blames Pillman, so then they start brawling. Just when it's getting good, Goldust slides in and beats up Pillman, which I thought got Owen disqualified, but apparently I was wrong. So, I don't know, I gave the match two stars, it was interesting, but this is why I said apparently I was wrong, because Owen grabs the mic and he claims that he won, and he's going to win the IC title for his brother Brett. During a speech, Steve Austin attacks Owen from behind and beats him down. Officers jump Austin, but Vince McMahon climbs into the ring and tells him to stop and give him a minute. Vince tells Austin that the WWF is only looking out for his health, and Austin needs to work within a system. Austin says that Vince isn't the one sitting on his ass at home, and he says that he'll work within the system. He then said that he appreciates the fact that the World Wrestling Federation cares. He also appreciates the fact that Vince McMahon can kiss his ass. Austin then nails the ugliest Stone Cold Stunner of all time on Vince, and he gets handcuffed before being led out of the arena. I love how they play the theme music for the guy who's being led out of the arena in handcuffed by police, by the way.
1: Yeah, they should have. Yeah. Ah, uh, you're being arrested. Play his music. <laughs> I'm not joking. They should have. That was a huge moment. Why the hell wouldn't they play that music? Well, it's just like, I don't know. It's just
2: like,
0: you being no, arrested. No. Why are you playing music? play this that biggest...
1: music. No, you play that music. It's, it's in the Madison Square Garden. This is like one of the biggest moments in history. Hell no. You don't go on blank. What's wrong with you?
0: I
2: don't know. It's just, i s I'm going off of trying to go off of realism here,
1: but No. no it, don't overthink it. That's your problem.
2: Well, it it was a good it was a good moment, but like I said, No, it was, was a fun. great
1: moment. Well, yeah, It's like was. the burial of WCW starting.
2: Yes. It like it led pick, to. If you
1: close your eyes, you can actually see them dig in the grave. <laughs> wow. That's it. That's it and that's all, man. It's it's over. This,
2: this was the genesis of the Mr. McMahon character. It would obviously grow and you know, and Take on different, uh, you know, uh, different stuff and and whatnot. Oh, it wasn't even a full year from it. I can't remember exactly. Yeah, I think it was uh, almost almost half a year later. They would do the Austin versus McMahon main event match that would snap and bury the WCW eighty three week streak. And yeah, it wasn't the last time the WCW ever led, you know, in in the ratings war, but. That was, you know, that was a big thing. I mean, they did monster numbers for that RAW. You remember that? I do. I remember being hyped as I, it for I, I about always, it, for, it. I too. always
1: found it funny, by the way, that um, the the RAW that broke the streak and the last time Nitro ever won, both involved McMahon, Austin, fully. I think about that. This that the match where Vincent Austin wrestled, Do Love got involved. Yeah, the finger of Doom Night was the last time WWE ever won. Uh, you know, it was. Foley won the title. Austin got involved. McMahon was on the outside.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, they found the formula, man. Austin McMahon, Austin McMahon. I mean, as
1: well, Austin McMahon fully though. He doesn't get enough credit for that. He was involved in all these things. He was an integral part in all three, in both of these things. So,
2: yeah. Well, I mean, we'll we'll get to that here in a minute as well. Because here here in a couple segments, we've got uh, McFoley doing something very big that I forgot was on the show. That's what I was talking about. I I forgot about this. Is one of the
1: reasons I wanted to watch this show.
2: Yeah. We then get a second opening for Raw, complete with another set of Pyro and everything. I didn't like; I f- forgot that they used to do that, where they literally treated oh, yeah. it like it was two separate shows. Yeah, uh, they wear the yeah. uh, they wear the replays out, which th- as they should have, but they wore the replays out of the McMahon Austin confrontation. And
1: yes, and in the middle of this is when Jim Ross takes a shot at WCW uh, oh, a couple Lord. weeks prior. Uh, he was yeah, no, maybe. The week prior, I forget. Whatever. The night after Fall Brawl '97, which is coming up, by the way, right for us. Yep, uh, next week. Um, the night after that, like after Flair gets his head slammed in the door. Spoiler, by the way. Uh, <laughs> Siobhan sees the. It opens up with a graphic of Flair on the, on the stretcher, and is yeah. like, I, you know, he, he loves Ric Flair. I can't do the show, guys. Like, I'm hurt. I can't do it, and he just walks off. He doesn't do. He doesn't commentate the show because of that. In this episode, Jim Ross says, "Oh, you know, we're not gonna, we're not gonna, I'm not gonna cry, boo-hoo, and walk off the job." You know, <laughs> it was like, "Wow, wow,
2: okay." So you guys, I... literally
1: just couldn't stop taking the shots, which you know, same thing that you know, all Friends wrestling is doing right now. Sorry, I love that line. It's the same yeah. thing they're doing. Like, good grief, guys, just focus on your own crap.
2: I didn't remember that part because I wasn't watching Nitro at this time, and I didn't know what they had to offer on the other channel, so I don't remember Shivani walking out on that. I remember you telling me about that at one point.
1: Yeah, and yeah, uh, I just love how they took a shot at it. Though. I was like, wow. Huh.
2: Yeah, like like I said, it's been happening since forever. It's, so it's I stupid, just... I mean. Yeah. yeah. ECW, I think, was the absolute worst at doing that. It was constant, constant shots at everybody. Well, they had to
1: remind everybody that no matter what, they were always the other guys. Yeah. That Which... one, I'm not going to say I forgive, but I mean, I get it. They are literally like not even a thing to anybody. So it's like, yeah, why not make a little noise trying to get on the board?
2: which they didn't but you know i I guess a for effort i don't know (laughs) up next we get into this other big part of the show hunter hearst helmsley comes out i i forgot at this time he's still coming out to his mozart music or beethoven or whatever the hell it is jerry the king lawler is trying to interview ronda sheer from the usa network's up all night show but his mic broke (laughs) so jr has to give him another microphone with as clean and sanitized and overly produced as Raw is nowadays, I don't think you'd ever see a segment like this. Hell no. Yeah, but I just thought it was funny. I didn't like. I've never seen Up All Night. I don't know who Ron Asher is, but uh, it's been talked about on Bruce Pritchard's Oh, podcast. She was just
1: uh, a you know a pretty woman with a huge chest doing a I'm movie listening. on doing a movie on Friday night on USA uh, to like host it. A movie would air in the in the commercial. She be doing stuff. I don't remember what the hell it was up top of my head, but
2: being big chested. <laughs> well, there you go. But then Dude Love pops up on the Titan Tron to tell Triple H that he's not the kind of guy for Falls Count Anywhere, but he knows someone who's perfectly suited for that match. Mankind then comes into the frame to talk to Dude, saying that he knows someone who wants to rip Helmsley apart more than even he does. And then Cactus Jack comes onto the frame and. It shows all three faces of Foley on the screen at one time as Triple H loses his crap in the ring. This was the first WWF appearance of Cactus Jack. So it was huge, monumental, and one of the amazing Triple H McFoley matches that you and I love to love to talk about. What was the show we reviewed recently? Was it uh, oh it was um, Canadian Stampede, correct? Yeah. Yeah, where they were brawling throughout most of the show. <laughs> that was That was good stuff, but that was Mankind, right? Right. Yeah, That was a continuation
1: from King of the Ring.
2: Yeah. And then apparently it went into dude love.
1: One of my notes here, too, is like, of course, these idiots in the garden are chanting for ECW.
2: Yep. Uh, I had uh, Cactus Jack comes out from the back with tons of garbage, literally, as the crowd chants ECW. (laughs) So apropos, isn't it?
1: God. New York. What was that crap?
2: There's Hunter Hurst Helmsley with China in his corner versus Cactus Jack. Falls count anywhere. This went for 13 minutes, 40 seconds. China repeatedly gets involved at ringside. China and Jack wrestle over a chair at one point, allowing Triple H to hit Cactus Jack from behind. This causes China to get driven into the steel steps and get knocked out. Helmsley sets up a table on the stage and attempts to pedigree uh, Cactus Jack through it, but Jack reverses it into a pile driver through the table. He drapes his arm over Helmsley for the win. And Uncle Dave actually rated this match. He gave it four stars. I gave it three. What say you?
1: I did say three. It's one of my all-time favorite matches, though. I don't mean like how good it was, just like just fun to watch.
2: Yeah. Oh, it was absolutely fun to watch, especially from the if you watch from the beginning, where Cactus Jack is introduced, Jim Ross is losing his crap, the crowd is losing their crap. Foley's in tip-top shape here, as far as like you know his character work. It was. It was. Just, you know, we talked about the historic moment earlier of the stunner to McMahon, which they bring up multiple times through the show, as they should, like I mentioned. But this was another huge thing towards the end of the show that I I just loved. We get another classic MSG clip where Andre the Giant first body slammed Big John stud and threw Bobby Heenan's money into the crowd. And we get another replay of the stunner to McMahon and Michaels beating Bulldog at one night only. Shawn Michaels dances his way to the ring, poses, takes his shirt off, and poses some more. Sean must pose, pal. He then calls out The Undertaker, and someone from the crowd shouts, Sean is gay. Sean replies, Sean is gay. Sean isn't gay. How about you go ask your mama if Sean is gay? <laughs> oh, my gosh.
1: This is the part where I, I say typical New Yorker, right?
2: Yeah. You think about <laughs> none of this would ever happen at a show in 2020. and I'm, I'm
1: uh, taking away the pain. Well, hold you. on. Hold on. The fan would still do that. I mean... They would Maybe,
2: not be acknowledged. No, yeah, no
1: well, about it. They would. I've been to hundreds of shows.
2: But do people yeah. still do that crap and get away with yeah. it? now? Wow. Because I've heard like nowadays when people do that crap, they well, get
1: well, they like the f bomb and not the you know f u c k one.
2: No, so, oh, yeah. yeah. I because I've heard of like people reporting that to security and some people getting well, escorted out for yelling. That stuff.
1: I'm just saying. Yeah. I didn't say that. I just said they still do it.
2: Wow. I've heard a lot of, I heard, I hear it a lot on indie shows. I'll say that. And a lot of indie wrestlers complain about it and say, I will not acknowledge you and I'll ask security to escort you out if you do that crap. So, yeah. But Undertaker finally comes out and Helmsley tries to rush Taker from behind, but Taker drops him. This allows Shawn Michaels to smack Taker with a chair from behind. Rick Rude and China come out. This was the early days of DX.
1: I think they were DX yet.
2: Oh, yeah, I don't think they... Had, yeah, they didn't have the, the official name yet, but it was it was coming. But so this allows Sean to smack Ticker with a chair from behind. Oh, uh, Rick Rude and China come out, and all four of them beat on the Undertaker with uh, with boots in the chair. Ticker finally gets away from them and grabs the chair, and they all run for their lives. Ticker swung the chair like an axe. I was like, damn! <laughs> I thought that was a, a pretty decent segment to set up for Bad Blood. How far away are we from Bad Blood? you know? Is it a this coming second, two weeks i think oh, okay yeah, thirteen days <laughs> yeah it makes sense follow us on twitter and instagram at main event underscore marks and facebook at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod
0: <sighs> the only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle
2: now, back to our program. Uh, before his match, Bret Hart comes out and grabs a microphone. He says that he doesn't care who wins at Bad Blood and Hell in a Cell because he's not afraid of The Undertaker or Shawn Michaels, and everyone knows he's the best. Uh, Bret, yeah. was, Bret was fine on the mic. But I don't think anybody ever accused him of being an, an amazing talker because <laughs> he kind of stumbled his way through some of this. But, I
1: don't know, well, one of my cool. biggest complaints about his promo here is like they build this matchup as like Hell in a Cell it's 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 encompassing yeah. the ring it's got a roof on it and he just calls it a cage match McWell. Like,
2: wow. yep
1: he clearly just don't care
2: i don't care who wins in that cage like uh not a cage you a might cell, uh, change your
1: opinion later wish the undertaker had won but whatever
2: uh, <laughs> <laughs> right can you imagine the undertaker like agreeing to do a screw job i think he would have just walked up to brett and cracked his knuckles <laughs> Oh, but this final match of the card was a non-title match. Brett was the WWF champion. He was taken on Gold Dust. It went just shy of three minutes. One half of Gold Dust's face is painted, but it's painted black with Pillman's logo painted in gold over it. Uh, I guess head game stuff. Did did he do the half face paint a lot during this era?
1: Yeah, because he was missing Marlena, so half of him was okay. gone.
2: Yeah, because I actually have a Jax figure of Goldust. Half of his face is painted, and he's in this ex- the same exact outfit that he's wearing here. Uh, but Lawler keeps making jokes about how Marlena is easy and is sleeping with Pillman throughout this whole match. This was very, very little. Just,
1: little did uh, they know Goldust had his own side piece in Luna.
2: <laughs> yeah, but, uh, yeah. Anyway. Uh, Bre-
1: I'm not joking. But just
2: Brett, as Stay usual. Tuned. Yeah, Brett, as usual, spends most of the match working the leg. Good Sean- lord. <laughs> Shawn Michaels ends up wandering out onto the stage, almost looking drunk because he's just the way he's walking. I'm like, are you drunk or are you just like weird? Turns out he was just weird. But people throw garbage at him from the crowd, and he's like dodging it. You notice
1: that? Uh yeah, I did.
2: Yeah, I was like, wow. <laughs> That would have given Eric Bischoff a stiffy, but that's beside the point.
1: <laughs> that's natural heat.
2: As soon as Bret Hart locks in the sharpshooter, Gold Dust instantly taps out. I actually gave this three stars. I thought it was a pretty decent match.
1: Yeah, I, I actually liked the match, yeah. Yeah, the said, last two I said two. I mean I do not go high, but I liked Yeah. I li I had fun watching it. So
2: For all of you out there, if you have to watch anything on the show, I would start with the Stunner to McMahon, and it goes right from that to Senator McMahon, the Foley segment, and then we've got the the Triple H and, and Cactus Jack match, and then it goes right into the Undertaker thing and the main event here. So definitely the last the last half of the show is what it's all about here, that final hour. But after the bell, Brett won't break the sharpshooter, and Shawn Michaels runs in and jumps Brett from behind. Hunter Hearst, Helmsley, and Rick Rude jump Brett as well. The British Bulldog and Owen Hart come out to even the odds. The show ends with the Undertaker rushing into clean house and then nailing a double choke slam on Brett and Shawn Michaels. And he and it's like, nails that double choke slam, end of the show. Done. <laughs> <laughs> they did that a lot back in the day where it's like, Oh my gosh, i I almost I just wanted to hear the tape machines are still rolling. We'll be we'll see you next week.
1: The tape machines. What the hell's a tape? <laughs> <laughs> Good lord yeah. We're out of time. The tape machines are rolling. We'll see you next week. Uh, Goodbye, my bye. only my only note about this was like, oh, uh, a brawl to end the show. I saw that coming.
2: Yeah, that was a that was a, a WWF or I should say a RAW trope back in the day. I I, I think, like you said, you know, go figure. <laughs> but didn't that did that just happen almost every damn week?
1: Mm-hmm. Nitro too.
2: Yeah, I found out one of the one of the things uh. That double chokeslam set up a dark match after the show, and it was actually a triple threat match between Undertaker, Bret Hart, and Shawn Michaels. So, at least it set up something cool for the MSG crowd. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at main event underscore marks, and Facebook at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod.
0: They say, if you love something, set it free. At LifeLock, we say... What a load of bull hockey. All that saving up and paying off debt
2: and now some identity thief wants to set it free? Crazy talk. LifeLock helps monitor your info and alerts you to potential identity threats. If you become a victim, we'll help fix it. No one can monitor all transactions, but LifeLock helps you keep what's yours. Save up to 25% off your first year at LifeLock.com with promo code LifeLock.
0: Now, back to our program.
2: But, yeah, all in all, for total rating of the show, um, if we're going to have to rate the show, uh, we always go on a scale of 1 to 10. I gave it a 7, maybe 7.5, just because the story was solid. The matches, I mean, really, only two of the matches mattered. The rest of them, yeah, they were a tournament, bro, but uh, it wasn't good. What say you?
1: I I just, only one match was, like, amazing. But, like, the whole show, I thought, was, like, historic. I thought the whole show oh, yeah. was... I mean, it's like, this is a must-watch episode. I it, I think, it going is. off of that, I have to say it's like an A-minus. I think it was, you know, it's must-see.
2: I will I will say that. It is a definite must-see show. I mean, I don't know if I can really give it a, a physical rating, because, I mean, with, with, with the numerical rating, you gotta... I don't know. It's, That's it's why hard I go to off do for rates. something like that.
1: That's why I don't go off in numbers. Oh yeah. off the of numbers, I'd have to use an aggregate for, like, all the matches that I rate. Yeah. But, like, I just think this is a can't-miss show. For uh, sure. I think, story-wise, this is not a show I'm going to rate A-minus because of amazing matches. If yeah. I was going off the matches and stuff like that, I might say this is like a C-plus, maybe. But right, that's what I said. There's so much good stuff in this. Good stuff, pal. Um, yeah.
2: Such good crap. God dang it.
1: In but, a yeah, card. it's... God, it's a... It's a I mean don't go into this looking for wrestling, okay? If you set your expectations with that, I think Mm -hmm. you'll give this event, or this episode overall, a very high rating. If you go into it looking for good wrestling, you're going to be disappointed.
2: Yeah. Yeah, the the McMahon-Austin thing is what we've been building up coming to, coming into the show. That was the thing, but also, you and I always, any chance we get, talk very highly about the Triple H, uh, Mick Foley.
1: Yeah, and I hate, like, the... Stupid death matches and stuff, but like when I've always said, when a hardcore match is done right and done good, it's it's passable. If yeah. not that, like the comedy, I I know you're not very torn on this, but the twenty four seven title makes me laugh so hard because it's not supposed to be taken seriously. And if you do it like that, I think it's fine. I just can't watch the death match crap.
2: No, no, I I, I can't and watch.
1: Also, that. I'm a huge fan of Triple H and McFoley. So
2: yeah, these like, two did great uh, stuff. Still do, yeah. But, well,
1: I mean, I think them. that that's why. you know, I just it's hard to not sound hypocritical because I bash the crap out of death matches. I know Foley did do death matches, but I didn't watch that Foley though. But yeah, you know, to be honest, he was not that amazing in the ring. He was like kind of limited, but like he knew it worked. You know, and this match is a good example of it.
0: Yeah, it's also like... the
1: introduction to the match alone is worth the price of admission, dude. Right. The whole thing with the Titan on the Titantron. Oh man! I yeah. was like, when I was when I saw that, I was like, "How the hell do they do that?" You know, I didn't,
2: yeah. I didn't realize that at the time.
1: But yeah, right. Yeah,
2: and uh I have Jack's figures of all three faces fully.
1: I need <laughs> I a Mankind and a Cactus Jack. Technically, I need a Cactus Jack. I have a Mick Foley wearing Cactus Jack stuff, but yeah,
2: yeah. I have a I have a Mick. I guess he's technically he's supposed to be Cactus Jack, but he's just Mick Foley in a Cactus Jack t-shirt, like he's wearing like, like twenty
1: two one.
2: No, he's in like brown sweatpants and like sneakers. Then he's got a cactus jack shirt on with a red uh, flannel. But it came out before WrestleMania 22, so that's that's why. Sounds like
1: it was the build up to the Royal Rumble 2000.
2: (laughs) Probably. (laughs) Yeah. So I, it's just
1: (laughs) had he been wearing blue, that would be the build up to the Hell in a Cell. For some reason, he wore blue flannel for the Hell in a Cell. So.
2: Ah, okay. Yeah, I remember that. I do remember that. Um, But yeah, so.
1: That does it for it's a damn uh, for good edition. show. Everyone, go watch it.
2: Yeah, it's on the WWE Network. Uh, so that's very good. Uh, it's it's a very good show. Uh, like I said, go go check it out. Speaking of very good shows, coming up in the lineup, man, we're closing out September, September 30th. We are covering Fall Brawl 1997. This was the NWO versus the Four Horsemen. This was right after Kurt Hennig agreed to take Arn Anderson's spot. My spot. <laughs> not my dog spot. Not a liver spot. My spot. <laughs> but holy hell we're going to hell this was a big deal as we talked about earlier the flare already went for his cosmetic surgery it, we'll get into that with Fall Brawl 97 because it does play into it but yeah that will close out the month of September definitely go back in the archives we've got All In 2018 Saturday Night's Main Event 23 uh, UWF Blackjack Brawl 94
1: sorry about so, that
2: that was a fun, fun podcast I'll say that if nothing else. The show itself sucked. Uh, I have but, said,
1: by the way, it was literally one of my favorite ones we've ever, or one of my, yeah, one of my favorite, but like the funnest time I've ever had recording.
2: Yeah. Uh, it was, it was fun. The show itself that we were reviewing sucked. Uh, it, but it comedically sucked, I think. Yeah. So, and again, it tied into one of our favorite shows, Dark Side of the Ring. So, yeah.
1: We should be getting paid for shilling this.
2: Yeah, right. Uh, but next month, I did want to let you know after, you know, we're covering Fall Brawl 97 next week, but October, man, it's going to be a, Good, good month. We're covering all kinds of Halloween stuff. We're still trying to come up with what our bonus episode is going to be for the month. But we're starting off hot with, on October 7th, it's NWA Halloween Havoc 1989. If I remember correctly, that's the very first Halloween Havoc, right? I believe so. Yeah. And uh, so we're going to see how Halloween Havoc evolved throughout the years. October 14th, it's WWF In Your House, Buried Alive that took place in october of I that's 96
1: uh, 96 yeah that's kind of a sleeper show by the way not like amazing by any means but it's it's a fun watch yeah i mean I think, you get to uh, see it's, a, it's, a man get buried alive well technically you get to see two uh but we won't spoil it um oh, but yeah it's yeah. A, it's kind of a sleeper show it's clearly a show that is a throwaway building to starry series the next month uh but it's a fun watch i remember this i'm looking forward to watching it again
2: Absolutely, yeah. I, I've never seen it start to finish, so I'm looking forward to it. October 21st, we got to get in another Halloween Havoc. We're going with, you want to talk about sleeper shows. This is one most people don't think about, but it's Halloween Havoc 1993. Rick Rude takes on Rick Flair for the WCW International World Heavyweight Championship, which is what the big mm. gold was called and at the time.
1: I, if I remember correctly, that match was damn good.
2: Yeah, it went almost 20 minutes. Yeah, We get, uh, well, I mean... This should hook you right away, man. The, the show open is uh, a six man tag match. It's Ice Train, Charlie Norris, and the Shockmaster versus Harlem Heat and the Equalizer. <laughs> the Equalizer was Dave Sullivan, by the way. <sighs> <sighs> oh, it's weird. Got... It's
1: a six man because when I think of Ice Train, I think of a submission match.
2: Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, we've got Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorf versus Ricky Steamboat. I'm sure that'll be good. Lord Steven Regal versus Davey Boy Smith. That one I'm actually looking forward to see. That's for the WCW TV title. Dustin Rhodes puts his United States title on the line against Steve Austin. This one is meh for the tag titles. It is Marcus Alexander Bagwell and Two Cold Scorpio defending against the Nasty Boys. Sting versus Sid Vicious, but the show closer, man. Big Van Vader versus Hactus Jack, Texas Deathmatch. If I remember correctly, this was... Yeah, they, well, they did the spin a wheel make a deal and it randomly chose Texas Death. But I believe the build up uh, to this was White Castle of Fear.
1: Well, White Castle Fear was like a a place they went. To yeah. To, match, but uh I'm going to say they did not randomly land on that. I think they learned their lesson from the year before about random stuff. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, with the uh oh well, the, the main event is Coal Miner's Glove. Oh my.
0: <sighs>
2: and we're not joking. But we're closing out the the month of October on the 28th. It's going to be Raw from October twenty eighth 2002. The show closer is Triple H versus Kane in a casket match. Not to spoil it all, but there's a gif that floats around of Shawn Michaels was feuding with Triple H at the time. And at one point, Triple H was placed in that casket. Not saying if that was the end of the match or later on, but at one point he gets put in the casket and Shawn Michaels literally dances on the casket.
1: So, yeah. I've been- I mean, that's not a fresh idea, by the way. He's done that before. Also involving <laughs> yeah. Triple H, also involving Kane. So, yeah, it's nothing original. So.
2: Hey, man, what's old is new again, right? Like breaking the ring. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, so that is the month of October. I'm very excited about October. I'm still excited about the end of September because we got one more great show for you before we get into the season of All Hallows Eve. Thank you for joining me here today, Greg. Mm-hmm. And we will come at you next week, Fall Brawl 1997.
0: The been thinking about McDonald's all day can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary, cannot be combined with combo meal. single item at regular price. (sighs) The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle, is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary, cannot be combined with combo meal.
1: Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky.
0: Lucky?